Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello, and welcome to episode 28. Tonight's episode is brought to you by All Franks, No Beans. We're just going to leave it at that. Uh, no explanation. No explanation is needed <clears throat> or approved by Apple Podcasts. With that said, we are going to cover the most wonderful time of the show. If I can get Andrea's toolbar to agree with me. These are people that are patrons at $10 or more. We're going to start with 10s. And when we get to the bottom of the, t- the first of the alphabet, we'll start over at 20s. I will not signify that. You'll just have to follow along at home. So, Will, Tom, the real Matthew, Ty, Scott, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> that person changed their name. <laughs> That's the one last week that you said, I wish that the middle name was Ma. Yeah, this person, they're a great sport. <laughs> Parker, Nick, Nick. Ben from Mountain Bike Radio, Michael, Lead Out Sports, Josh, Josephine Exotic, Jeff, Jamie, Jake, Gordon, Garrett, Evan, Bill, Alec, Aaron, motherfucking Troy, Laffy, Six Pack Outdoors, Ryan, Mike, Harley, Brady, Brad, Anthony, and Affordable Trail Solutions. Uh, speaking of, is it, jo- is it Joe Exotic? Is that right? From... The Tiger King? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he got a more permanent jail sentence, maybe, recently. Maybe know. maybe he it was up was in the in jail air. in the first place. Oh, yeah. He was super in jail. I mean, he tried to he tried to hire someone to kill another person. You can't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, like, in jail for 20 years. So, anyway, there's your name of tabloid. I can't remember tabloids off the top of my head. Uh... Daily World News. Sure. There we go. So there, there's <laughs> The Inquirer. Your, the Inquirer. That's the one I was trying to think of. Thank you. I remember being like nine years old because when you're nine. You're at the height of those magazines. Yeah. Like you can't see over the little, you know, shoulder height to an adult beverage and candy assortment there with magazines at the checkout line. You're just like down there like face to face with like the shitty alien yeah face. like the alien on the front of the you're like wow there's an a- there are aliens on earth that's cool i know like, i can remember I feel eight like years old i feel like they've done a pivot away from aliens and more to celebrities yeah but i can remember like eight years old looking at that and being like this is horse dick like <laughs> this isn't right <laughs> i like, think i asked my mom if it was right and she said no do we want to talk about What's been going on lately, or do we want to dive right into questions? Let's rapid fire. I'm talking. I'm going to say what I've had going on. When are you not? Damn. (laughs) Coming out swinging. No, just fuck it. Y'all got it. (laughs) Carry this show, and then y'all fucking... (laughs) Shoot me, cut my legs off like fucking Uncle Hank or Uncle whatever, King of the Hill. Like, what was the the grandpa with, like, no knees? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Didn't he lose him in Vietnam? Yeah. Um, So we're going to run through what I did real quick. So since the last recording, I actually sat down and made a note about what I've done. Um, And I had to look it up because I felt as if I'd ridden the trainer a lot. 
And I looked, and yeah, I've ridden the trainer six times in the last seven days. So that's a lot. Uh, we got 12 inches of snow overnight. Would into you like today. to share? Depending on where you measure. Would you like to share with the listeners what trainer you run? Yeah, so I run. Oh, this is a big one. It's uh, the Wahoo Kicker. I run a Wahoo Kicker with my Diverge on it. Which and version I of the run, kicker? Is it the one with the little swingy swing thing, or is it a Gen 4 or older? Uh, we don't have any swingy swing things on ours. I don't know what swingy swing thing means. Yeah, there's a new one that has like little Like the swingy. one that rocks around? Yeah, it moves around somehow. No, this does not move around. This one was purchased in like 2017. Okay, so it could be a Gen 3. Sounds like it's a Gen 3. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you put a Diverge on a Gen 3, it swings around, I promise. <laughs> it, it That bike from axle to top of the seat post with that tie seat post and that short seat tube, there's plenty of flex. It's great. Uh, so, I've ridden the trainer. Uh, the only I run the Gen 3, according to Kenny, he helped us sort that one out. Uh, Gen 3 kicker, my Diverge. I run... What do you run for Rot- software? And do you run like an Apple TV or like a laptop? Yep, that's what I was going to get into. So I use Trainer Road, and I only run it on my laptop with no second monitor. Um, Jeff, he's one of our patrons, actually posted a picture. And I was like, how the hell do you do that? And there was this little button I'd never noticed that turns Trainer Road into... Miniature Trainer Road. Yeah, mini like the mini player version. So it's always on top. Like you can full screen a... YouTube video and it's still on top of that it takes over the computer output and is like no this is the top layer and it's really cool you can't watch you wouldn't be able to watch something you know super instructive where you need to see the entire screen but if you're going to watch uh, I don't know let's say uh, four wheel drive 24-7 and watch some Australian dudes riff around and like half roll their trucks over in the mud and use winches and Say cheeky bastard and things like that. Fair dinkum. I don't know what that means. I've never. Uh, I would assume you were watching that pizza I made was a fair dinkum pizza. Oh, I would assume you'd be watching maybe like you know the Bachelor or Bachelorette or maybe like reruns (laughs) of Party of Five. (laughs) A friend told me that I should watch the Great British Baking Off show or Bake Off or whatever it's called, and I it requires me to spend more money on something like subscription of something yeah and i just can't it's yeah. look there's we get all the we get all the entertainment we need from free youtube and there's something to be said I, I don't know how to word this without it coming across wrong it's not that i can't afford like hulu or netflix or whatever it may be i just don't want to just morally it's not that one of those subscription services makes me mad or anything I just don't want to spend another seven to fourteen dollars a month on that type of thing. I I don't have a solid reasoning. It's just stubbornness, I think. Well, it it just means that you're you would feel more obligated to spend more time looking at it, which then might make you feel guilty about spending more time looking at it. So Yeah. It's a vicious cycle. Well, and let's talk about the amount of content that's there and places that pump out content because i'm making a fucking segue here 
uh, there's plenty of content. You know, I'm not out of four-wheel drive 24-7 or 13-20 drag racing videos. There's plenty. I'll never watch them all riding the trainer in the winter. It's physically impossible. Uh, about the yeah, only thing... Yeah, because you're not doing, like, two or three-hour trainer rides. You're, like, half an hour to an hour. That Yes. So, let's talk about the last week. Uh, hour and five minutes down to 18 minutes. Those were my variables. Uh, the 18-minute ride was just a... The ride before it had been hard as fuck. So I rode until I it rode and I was like, I don't want to do this. And I just have to go until I get sweaty. And I got sweaty and I was like, all right, I'm going to stop now because I'm tired. But yeah, uh, the only thing that needs to be swapped in my trainer setup is my laptop is pretty long in the tooth. It's like super old. Uh, trying to think of how old it is. Like I got it in Memphis. It's at least seven or eight years old. And a good number of years back, Kenny helped me with like a, what do you call that, SSD upgrade? Like solid state drive upgrade. He helped me pick out the right parts and shit. And that helped it a lot, but it doesn't help that there's just little quirks with it that one day it'll have to be replaced. Haven't really, I don't know, haven't really considered making that plunge too hard yet, but it's something I do need to take care of. But speaking of people that pump out content, I'm going to release a new show. It's going to be Matt's Week in Review. And for those of you at home, yes, I'm ripping this off directly from the Meat Eater with Cal's Week in Review. And I accidentally, I made a started making a logo for it. And I made it to be ripped off of the please close the gate sign that you see out on public land. And then I realized when I looked at Cal's Week in Review for like their homepage that I ripped off like I I chose the same font for the name as Cal's as the name Cal in that title. So I might change it. I might not. I don't know. Roll with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna rip them off directly. But they talk about hunting, and we're gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about bikes. Well, they're also meat eater, and we're not. So I don't think they care what we do. At least for now. They might. Steve Rennell might show up at my house. <laughs> Be like, first of all, <laughs> down by the river, saw some signs of what looks like a good beaver. I'm going to need to go trap that. <laughs> but then second of all, you got to knock it off with this podcast shit. Uh, no, I don't think that Stephen Rennell is going to show up at my house. If he did, it'd be kind of wild. Um, but that's kind of my week in review I shoveled a bunch of snow today, and now I'm really sore. And then the last thing is we... Tomorrow's your birthday. Well, I was going to... if you're listening to this... It happened in the past. Yeah, it happened on Wednesday last week. So or Thursday last week. Let's talk about doing something nice. Don't worry about congratulating me on my birthday. Uh, you can go and you can pre-order bottles. If you want to buy me a birthday present, buy yourself a present and go pre-order bottles. Because if... We had sold all the bottles we had ordered before they delivered. I would be shit giddy happy. You can do that on the Just Riding Along Show website. Just click on the link at the top for JRA merch. And the bottle pre-order is the only thing on there. So far. For now. And with that, we have those coming. Everything's slated. They're not shipped yet. Uh... I was going to say before Andrea busted out the birthday shit, I shoveled a bunch of snow today. Then I went to run some errands, one of which was drop off banana bread with our neighbor, who's really nice and plows us. Um, 
<laughs> he comes up and just plows us whenever we need it. It's amazing. He's such a nice guy. We got 12 inches, and he plowed us real good. Um, so I went out. I think out. it was more than 12. I measured it. It was 12. It always looks like it's more, but All right. when you put the tape measure on it, you realize that 12 was really a lot. So we got a bunch of snow, so I shoveled, and after I shoveled, he came and plowed, and he came and plowed earlier than he said he was going to, so I had to run some bread down to him. Andrew baked some banana bread for him. He won't let us pay him, but we give him baked goods. That is our, our current exchange. Super cool dude. And on the way, I saw someone stuck, and I'm like, fuck yeah, mini truck shit. <laughs> and I literally back up the road like 100 yards. And I roll my window down, and the dude like kind of pops his head out, and I'm like, "How's it going?" And I was like, Looks. "It was like up a side road that was a steep incline right before it hit the main road." Yeah, and I was like, "Looks like it's a bit better than you." I was like, "You need a hand?" He's like, "You want to try? I'll take the help." I was like, "Cool, let me go get my stuff." I didn't have a like strap or anything in the truck, so I got my stuff and I came back and I couldn't pull him out. Uh, as soon as the rope got taut, my little truck would get slid around off in the ditch. Uh, now I'm going to flex a little bit. So once I unhooked, I was able to drive off that road. But it was, the, the thing is, it was like frozen at the base. And so even if you burned through the snow, you were still kind of on. There was an ice layer. Yeah, an ice layer. So I called Andrea and I was like, hey, you mind coming down here in the Forerunner and pulling this car out? She's like, okay. So we started shoveling and just shooting the breeze and whatnot. And Andrea gets there and it promptly gets like yeah, momentarily I didn't stuck. The, uh, the side of the road was not where like the tree line was. There was probably, I don't know, eight feet of not road before the tree line. And I didn't realize that. So like when my truck, when I pulled them the first time and my truck got a little like, you know, like they get a little sideways as you're going up steep stuff like that and I just stayed in it and then all of a sudden it just bogged down off the side of the road because it was well it, it like was on virgin like, snow it was on like yeah powdery snow on top of grass and dirt so yeah so it was just kind of bottomless really we did some more shoveling uh, I hopped in and did some flogging on the forerunner I, I, I put my redneckery to use um, and did a little more shoveling, got Andrea hooked back up to him, and boom, out came the car. And then I went about my day. Uh, went and visited Parker. He, his lady, yeah, his lady. Uh, Madeline. Had, Madeline had graciously brought home a beer for me. Uh, big, they call them crowlers. It's like a big. It's a quart can. Yeah. Um, and I was going to have a beer with my pizza today. And I didn't want to have to drive to town in a storm to get it. So Parker's lady brought one home for me. She works at the brewery. And I went and dropped some stuff off with him and grabbed that and came home. But then it was kind of late from all the other shenanigans, so I didn't even open that beer. And the significance there is I haven't had a beer since probably like October. Uh, you haven't yeah. had any alcohol since then. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there we go. That's kind of my week in review i've said that three times now <laughs> sorry it's a bad habit we want to talk about y'all shit and then talk about new shit we <clears throat> may or may not hate and then some listener questions i don't really have a ton of stuff to talk about i've just i went skiing today in the snow that was really cool i had to break trail which was difficult but good because i wanted to work out but 
I've just been, again, uh, going hard on doing just riding along outdoor media stuff. Some of the like behind the scenes things, contacting people to do interviews with for my new podcast that I do not have a release date for just yet. But that's kind of been it. And getting the, the website stuff. I am not good with website building at all. And so it's every time I need to change something, it's kind of a struggle. But, you know, after like half a day's work, I put one item on the website and put it up for sale. And we have uh, a good number of pre-sale stuff done. So we are selling the bottles as pairs. So you pick your color. We have either moss with a black top or gold with an orange top. Pick your color and you are purchasing two bottles and shipping into the continental United States. Uh, I know that we have at least one, if not more, people outside of the continental United States who want to purchase bottles. And I have not yet figured out the shipping for that. We'll probably, you know, just, I'll probably just go to the post office and figure out how much it would be to ship it to you. And we can just do something off website about it. All right, Kenny, what have you been up to? I'm going to interrupt before anyone gets going because I've been told that I interrupt and tell people when they're wrong, even when they're right. (laughs) Big thanks to Andrea for ordering the bottles, sorting all that out, getting the pre-order going, and all that. Big help. High five. Go team. I'm working on it. I'm glad today I did not do other than maybe I think looking, doing something with Instagram or I don't know, maybe five minutes worth of work. I didn't do anything well, I guess I'm doing an hour podcast recording tonight, but I haven't done anything on the JRE. Administrative work? Yeah, administrative work today, and it's been really nice. But got to take a day off every now and then. All right, now, Kenny, it's all you. I rode the Suron over the weekend. It was a lot of fun. It's all in put back snow? together. A little bit in the snow, yeah. So I rode a place called Five Mile Pass. It's pretty exposed for the most part it's usually pretty sandy dry dusty hot in the summer low-lying stuff uh it's pretty it's definitely got some good mountains in it so you can you can climb three thousand feet or so so the mountain stuff is not accessible right now but all the low-lying stuff was pretty good some of the north-facing stuff was pretty frozen so some of the like the descents for example uh, down stuff would be super sketchy. And yeah, 50 50 snow. Tires? Nope, just regular dirt bike tires. As long as it's snow, you're really good to go. There's an insane amount of grip in snow. But yeah. ice, you're a dead person. I crashed a dirt bike in the ice once. <laughs> Sounds about right. But yeah, it was good. It was all dialed in. The first time I've ridden it since I <clears throat> changed out a whole mess load of crap. And it's really good. Got the Fox DHX2 on there right now. A lot of little clicky boys on there to mess with. But for the most part, just setting it up static. Can you shock whiz that thing? Uh, No, because it's a coil. Oh, yeah, duh. I knew that. Yeah. (laughs) And shock whiz it, but it's the really expensive version of shock whiz that has all the extra little uh, bars and sensors and all that stuff on it. You'll see that plastered to some DH bikes every once in a while, all that data acquisition stuff. But anyway, yeah, yeah, it was really good. I didn't notice the rear shock, so that's actually a really good thing. It uh, biggest takeaway there is a lot like 
for example, if you were going from a Fit4 Fox damper on a fork to a Grip2, the biggest thing you're going to notice isn't any kind of small bump compliance or any of that stuff. It's going to be like that mid-stroke support, just a more advanced damper. When you're taking bigger hits like halfway through the travel, it just doesn't get harsh, basically. It's amazing. Same thing with this. As you get it like loaded up doing a techie climb, and you're putting down power and you're halfway or more through the travel and you take another hit, it doesn't just send a shockwave up your spine. It actually like still does something. Same spring rate, all that other stuff is the same. So it's just the damping essentially that's changed. But yeah, really good. Super fun. Riding in the snow is a lot of fun. A lot of concentration, but it's good to just like get used to stuff moving around and not getting sketched out and just kind of like letting the bike move around. Yeah, super fun. That's it. Sweet. Well, that is a good segue since you were talking to get into the main new shit that has happened since our last recording. It was announced immediately following our last re- The next day was that Specialized is going direct to consumer. And I've had no fewer than four messages <laughs> from people saying, what does Kenny think about this? Yeah, it's so a really, Kenny, really. what do you think about this? It's a really, really big deal. So, I mean, I'm still a specialized dealer and I'm just going to say what I think. Hopefully I don't get in trouble. It's again, forget. Oh yeah. I, I, unfortunately, you just know that I cannot be fully honest with this answer. So I think a lot of people are disappointed and we were disappointed at first as well. But again, it doesn't, we're a strong company. I'm not that worried about it. We have a lot of other options. We're still going to sell a bunch of Specialized. Specialized still makes a great product. So I apologize that I have to give you a little bit of a censored answer, but that's just how it goes because we have a conflict of interest here. The big takeaway that I have is that I think it's difficult for Specialized to pull this move off without pissing people off. Like, There's just no way to do it because Specialized is successful for a lot of reasons. One is they have great marketing. Two is they have great design. Three is they have great support, um, like lots of reasons. And the dealer is no small part of that. The dealer is the one that places giant season orders. It lets them do great forecasting. Uh, we do pretty much everything that Specialized asks of us, you know, taking on more inventory, more accessories, margins slowly getting taken away year after year after year, spiffs getting taken away. We do all that stuff. And for them to just say, well, we're just, we just want a bigger piece. Hey, I mean, you, they can do what they want, but you got careful. Like they made so many people aligned to what they wanted. And I kind of feel bad for the people that really bought in fully and pretty much went concept store because now. Right. They, even, they really pushed that on some people. Didn't oh, they, they push it on everybody. And now they have even less control. So anyway, those are kind of my thoughts on that without talking anything like bad. Two more thoughts. One is direct-to-consumer works if you started from day one as direct-to-consumer because you're not burning any relationships. You're not burning any dealers. You just did it from day one, probably for a cost-saving measure, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with consumer direct. I'm not poo-pooing consumer direct at all. I understand that people want what they want. There's a vast majority of people and more and more people, the younger generation, they can do all their own research. 
they're going to uh, watch really well put together reviews of products. They can make their own decision. They can educate themselves. I get that. That's fine. I'm the same way. Very rarely have I ever leaned on a place to like educate me. I try to go in with my own knowledge. So I get that. That's fine. Ron Swanson. <laughs> I know more than you. Yeah, exactly. And so I get the the dealer mentality, and there's a lot of bad bike shops out of there. Out there, there are. Most of those are going away, but unfortunately, they do exist. And you got a little bit of the car salesman thing, where it's like, why, you know, that you're going to get two different prices at two different places. Some places you can haggle, some places you can't. Like I get it. It's the some bike shops are old school, and some things need to change. But at the end of the day, if I'm a consumer and I like a specialized product, and I'm gonna buy it direct, my price is not getting any cheaper. So what did I gain as the consumer? Possibly the convenience of getting it delivered to your house, that's great, but it's not any cheaper. So if you have the choice between a specialized and a YT or a Canyon, if that YT or Canyon, assuming that everything else is the same, and it's $1,000 cheaper, then why buy the but specialized? It's not. The YT sucks compared to the Specialized. My YT is lumpy. Here we are, not a year in. My paint's not holding up like a <laughs> Specialized paint job would. I mean, there's there's a reason my bike costs what it costs, for sure. Well, here's, so, what I'm, here's what I'm getting at. Imagine that Specialized is the same product that they are today. And imagine every dealer was gone. In theory, they could pass that savings along to the customer. But would they? I don't know. You would think they would have to to be competitive, but maybe they don't. They've been able to sell the number of bikes they have today at the price that they sell them for. So I don't think it's in their best interest to sell the product cheaper to dealers. All they're doing is they're just taking away all that dealer money so that they can make more money. So it just depends on what you want. I mean, there's arguments both ways. I try to be impartial about it. It's hard because I'm in it and I have a stake in this company. Like I need our bike shop to succeed. And I think we're pretty good at what we do, but do you want an even more powerful, even more profitable, larger specialized, or would you like to have some other people in the piece of that pie, including dealers and the employees of the dealers and all that stuff? That's a hard question to answer. Um, I don't know. I have a couple of counter arguments to that. If you'd like go for it. Well, you said, you know, Specialized couldn't do this without pissing people off. I'm going to counter here. Specialized can't do anything without pissing people off. <laughs> if if Specialized released an initiative tomorrow that was like, we're going to give every humane society in the country an adult-sized kick bike so more people can walk dogs better during the week, Someone, everyone would be mad, but just because Specialized is fucking doing something, no, Specialized I mean, can't do. I, I mean, I agree and I disagree. No, no. The, no the stuff that I'm making a really. Done, uh, what Specialized has done to piss people off before is like sue small companies. Some stuff might be semi-legitimate. Whether that company, it sucks to pick on the little guy, and I'm referring to lawsuits of whatever five, ten years ago, and. Some of that stuff, you just the way it works in this world is you have to defend yourself or you lose the right to your your trademarks and stuff, right? 
The problem is they obviously didn't really, the proper people in the company didn't really sit down and vet what they were doing. You know, imagine that 50% of the things that they were pursuing were legitimate and they really needed to go for it. But the other 50%, holy crap, like our nightmare, obviously, because it was just the wrong thing to do. Like not only wrong morally, but honestly wrong even in the business world. Like it was just a bad plan. So it's stuff like that. It's that track record. Um, no, but and they brought that stuff on themselves. There's people that claim the bikes don't ride well anymore, and they're just. I guess my point is, is people are just pissed off no matter what specialized. They will. That was my point. They're really good at what they do, so they have a big target on their back. I get that too, and they've also done some really dumb stuff to deserve people getting pissed off. And in the past, they made really proprietary stuff, non-serviceable stuff like. Their product is arguably the best it's ever been, and it's better than most stuff out there. I'll just say it. It it just it is. Whether you want to admit it or not, it's just a great it's a great product. I don't necessarily think that people are always going to be mad at Specialized no matter what they do. Maybe there will be some of those people, but yeah, you got to think about what you're doing. It's easy for a young hotshot a- in a boardroom to sit down and go, you know what would make us super profitable, guys? What if we just went consumer direct? And everyone's like, well, yeah, holy shit. And a guy ran all the numbers. And yeah, great. If you could magically convert every single sale that every single dealer made in the entire world tomorrow to you direct to consumer, yeah, great. You'd make a shit pot ton of money. But that ain't happening. <laughs> I mean, all your dealers got you to where you are. They're the ones that develop the relationship, support the product. Uh, send all the money to have it all on display. There's so many pieces to it. And again, just understand, I'm obviously biased because I work at a bike shop. And I see both ways. I'm also a relatively young, savvy person. And I totally understand Consumer Direct. So much of the stuff that I buy is Consumer Direct. I get it. But you can't have it all. That's my problem. You can't just abuse your dealers and expect them to take care of every problem that's out there, service all bikes that you're selling, and then they can come to me and I'm just one. I just, I basically, me as a dealer, if they get everything that they want, me as a dealer, I just alleviate 50% of their problems. That's what I do. And I'm not okay with that. Right, but my where I was going with my argument, though, is I talk to a lot of people that don't want to go to their local bike shop. And it's not like, oh, my local bike shop wants to charge me retail or my local bike shop is too far away. But the number of people that just volunteer, yeah, I've called y'all today because I don't want to talk to my local shop. They're dicks. Or, yeah, my local shop told me that I need this size bike and... I'm five foot 11 and they sold me a 54 or, you know, whatever it may be. There's a lot of people that give me seemingly legitimate reasons why they don't want to visit their local bike shop. And my counter argument here is as Specialized has become such a powerful player in the cycling world and they have become a real driving force in the industry and as you said they have industry leading products 
I think we could turn this the other way around. Like a shop should feel like selling specializes a privilege. I mean, someone walks in the door and they want an XC race bike. You don't have to tell them what an Epic is and explain to them why there's only half a fork on there and twist their arm to get them to test ride it. Like they already want an Epic, right? That customer knows the product. And I think what they're doing with this move is opening up a huge portion of the market that is tired of visiting their local bike shop because their local bike shop sucks. And I think for someone in your position, you're going to see customers that are your customers not change. And I think you're going to see you do have the opportunity when we talk about prices being the same. Once, you know, Jimmy buys a bike, specialized ship to home, and then brings it to you for service, when he's looking for a bike for his spouse or his kid or he bought a mountain bike and he now needs a road bike, there's no incentive for him to buy that SL7 from Specialized because the one you have on the floor that he can take home right now, instant gratification, is the exact same price. So I think there is a counter argument to it that is in some ways valid, but it's probably really hard as a good shop to swallow that pill because you're not a shop that sucks. So it's, t- it's tough both ways, right? So on one hand, me being a really good shop, I'm not worried because I know that we do all that we can. Yeah, we make mistakes. Mistakes happen. Uh, we forget to order a part from time to time. We mess someone's bike up. Like that stuff happens. But I would truly call that the rarity. Like we go, we try to go above and beyond. If we mess something up, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna buy you a frame, like that kind of stuff. We're not shysty. So with all that said, I'm not scared really from our standpoint, because A, we have multiple brands, and B, I think we're really good at what we do. I'm more sympathetic to shops that really did everything that Specialized asked of them. They bought in and said, okay, we'll do that. Okay, we'll do that. And now all of a sudden, you're just all in with Specialized and you kind of have no choices. And then they pull this and you can't do anything about it. You know, like how how hard do they want to bend over the their concept store people? I don't know. Like it's it's pretty gnarly to me. And then the flip side of that is the really really bad shops that were specialized will probably go away because they're just not going to be able to stay in business. And maybe that's for the better. I have two things to say. One, <laughs> if I can, I haven't talked for a minute. It's it's really I mean. I applaud you, Kenny, for not just getting on here and ranting because obviously it's something that you feel strongly about and you can't say everything you want to say. I mean, to be honest, I'll stop you right there, actually. And like, I'm not truly, I'm not, I I get what Specialized is trying to do. I understand. And I understand that just like Like, any company, they're they're trying to maximize profits, right? It's trying to figure out what's best for everybody, for bike shops, local communities, employees all over the U.S., in the world, what's good for specialized, what's good for the customer. There's a lot of people with stakes in this, right? Um, I mean, there's kind of three groups of people. Let's be real. There's customers, there's specialized, and there are the intermediate people, um, whether it's a service shop or a, whatever it ends up being. Anyway, I think I've, I've basically said all the stuff that's on my brain. I'm not really holding back. I'm trying to, I'm not smashing on specialized. I understand why some decisions were made. It's just, there's a lot of repercussions to those decisions. And I think they need to be really thought about. And 
my biggest thing is from the customer's perspective, they're not saving any money. But I get Matt's perspective of there are people that would normally never buy a specialized product because unfortunately their local example of a bike shop was horrible and now they might buy a specialized. So I get that. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of the dealers that are mad, even you know, especially, I think especially the ones that run really good bike shops and have really bought into the brand and, you know, done their concept store. And now they kind of have this feeling of betrayal from specialized. And the sad thing is, and at the end of the day, specialized is a big corporation. I mean, in the bike industry, at least it's not big compared to, you know, Amazon or Google or something like that, of course, but in bike industry terms, they are a gigantic corporation. And at the end of the day, they fuck your feelings, man. They don't care. They're making more money. And to just kind of like, I mean, I know you mentioned like shop service and stuff like you're still, you solve a lot of their problems before the problems get to specialized. I just had this vision that specialized is going to start doing their own mobile service in large cities and stuff. You know, it's possible. It's very that's possible. My, that's my psychic prediction. <laughs> um, We're going to see big red specialized vans. You got to be careful. Pull up outside your house and You know, specialized has to be careful what they ask for too. The flip side to Consumer Direct is fixing problems from a long way away is pretty challenging sometimes. Maybe they're willing to just eat some massive shipping fees and, for example, just take someone's entire e-bike back and then just mail them another one right like that's gonna happen and that's a that's a huge amount of money that's lost right there what do you do yeah, with the old one i think huge amounts of shipping both ways i don't know the amount it's going to make them so top heavy the amount of support you have to have for a bicycle is huge and it's not just because i'm biased because i work at a shop we legitimately solve a lot of problems and bikes are complicated and they wear out and weird things happen. Uh, no joke, one in 10 bikes that we put together, and it's not just a specialized problem, one in 10 bikes that we put together has a problem. It just doesn't go together right. Something's wrong. It's a sticky rear derailleur, bad brakes, you know, <laughs> mismachined this, mismachined that, uh, you know, dented, scratched, you name it. Lots of stuff happens. And we're the ones that fix all that stuff. So they're going to have to take on more of that. And they're going to have to have a bigger staff to deal with all that stuff. So, you know, it's going to become a more complicated, more complicated problem. They're going to have to become a local bike shop a little bit, right? So you can't just be, you can't just be the best product designer and the best marketing company. Now you have to have the best uh, consumer support and you've got to have, all that stuff on hand, ready to rock, and you gotta knock it out of the park every time. That's no small task, and that's no small amount of payroll, uh, facilities, all the things. You know, maybe they're gonna have to open up more uh, local distribution places. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff. It's not just instant. It's not just instant more money for them. They're gonna now have more stress and more stuff to manage and become more top heavy. So if that's what they want to do, cool. All right. Well, is that uh, everything you have to say about it for our listeners since they're, they were just all, they had that burning question? <laughs> I think so. I think so. And that was, again, that was me being pretty honest. And also I try to be pretty objective about it. And again, I think we're, 
me personally and, and our shop, I think we're pretty strong. So it's not, I'm not dooming and glooming this. I think a lot more people are doom and gloom, you know, kind of like, oh, poor me, you know, they're just, they're just kicking me when I'm down kind of thing. I, I'm not taking that stance. I'm trying to be positive about it. And again, at the end of the day, for now, at least, we're going to be fine. Um, it's going to be business as normal. And we'll see, see if there's that abuse situation where I'm just, if I get bent over and have to take care of all kinds of stuff that, uh, you know, for a product that was never purchased from me, then I'll start getting a little crankier, but I think we're fine. All right. Well, if you're ready to move on, we can move on into other listener questions. We have from Patreon, Mike wants to know, he says, I have another quick question. He's a, uh, he, he had another one that I, I pointed him to an episode that we'd already done. After hearing your recommendations for Bontrager XR4 Team Issue TLR tires, given your experience with the Carve slash Crave, so you think the 29 by 2.4 will fit in the rear of a chisel? I was looking at ordering, then second guessed if the rear would fit. If not, any other recommendations for the XE type of thing? Matt, did a 2.4 tire fit in your Crave? Yeah, I mean, I ran a Icon 2.35 on any Crest rim, which measured like a proper 2.35. So I can't imagine the 2.4 XR4 wouldn't fit. The only thing you may run into, depending on where you live, would be, you know, an Icon's, let's call it, uh, like the size rock that will stick between the knobs on an Icon is pretty small. The XR4 might hold a, larger rock a small pebble the size of a large pebble <laughs> and that could hit chain stays because the chain stay is going to be the pinch point on that bike the seat stays with that bridgeless design are pretty cavernous so that isn't really going to be the tight spot the tight spot is going to be chain stays and you know i just don't know that an xr424 rear tire is really how hard a crave bucks just to be honest i think you might want to try something like that aspen or that Recon 2.4, or the Recon Race 2.3.5. I think all those might be a little bit better option just in terms of pairing, let's say, the bike's capability and how hard that kind of more classic XC-style geometry will go. And it, it depends on your tire size, or sorry, your rim width as well. Like a wider rim, the tire's going to end up just a tiny bit bigger. And it sounds like, though, you might be, if your bike is stock, I'm guessing that rim is pretty narrow because you say your bike has 2 by 10 on it, which dates it just a little bit. Yeah, so I don't know. You may need it. You might not. You, you might just run a faster tire. That would be my number one recommendation for that bike. Yeah, just a little less t- a little less tread. And then he says... No, he's the got other stuff is, he talk, we talk about archery a little bit. Yeah, he's got some archery experience. And then he says, I'm planning to upgrade my chisel from 2 by 10 to 1 by 12. So I may need some guidance. I'm going to try and buy what parts I can from my local bike shop. But last week they told me they only have GX access upgrade kits and can't get any mechanical. I think I'd rather go mechanical NX GX and save up for some better wheels when I can afford it. Thanks again for my favorite podcast, Mike. Should I read his cell phone number on air? (laughs) No, let's not do that. Yeah, I mean, mechanical Eagle is kind of a unicorn right now. I honestly think that if I smash the derailleur on my YT, not because I'm being a cheap bitch, but just out of necessity, I'd probably have to move one of my 
electronic groups onto that bike just to keep it riding while I could source another mechanical derailleur. It's just not good times out there for mechanical availability. All right. We have from... Jake? I'm going to go down to this one. All right. From Jesse. Jesse says, this is kind of a long one. He enjoys... Do you want me to read it? Yeah. He has some uh, intel about bird wheels. Okay. So he says, hello, Matt. Hello to Matt and Kenny also. I guess he's already been talking with Andrea. I'm very happy y'all are back at it and wish you all the best in the new venture with JRA Outdoor Media. I really enjoy the hunting conversion conversation and talking about shooting and my other other two passions. Uh, Also, in a recent podcast, y'all were talking about the bird wheels. I owned a few, and their advertised weight is very close, within a few grams. They're very well built, and bird's customer service is very good. Check out how the spoke interfaces with the hub flange. It's pretty cool. However, I had a set of their gravel bike wheels measured at 1,106 taped and valves. Jeez. But with them, I lost one to two miles an hour for the same power, uh, same wheels, same PSI, same bike, riding the same course. I also noticed crosswinds affecting them more, or affecting me more. I can only attribute this to the increased surface area of braided spokes versus a bladed CX ray that I'm used to. Birds credit they're very willing to offer suggestions and give me the benefit of the doubt about my feelings on the loss of speed and increased power needed. They said they did test them in a wind tunnel and there was very little difference. They are great mountain bike wheels if you're looking for super light. My other favorite wheels are Next wheels. Is that Next? Probably supposed to be Nexty wheels with 240 hubs. I have two sets of Envy Hydra M525s. But after they cracked spoke holes, I went to all Nexty. I'm assuming Nexty. Or Next? Is that a wheel brand? I don't know. Uh, on my MTB and gravel bike. Claim weight is spot on and the build quality is excellent. Don't get me wrong. Envy wheels are great too, but I'm not sure I'm able to justify the price after spending a lot of time on the Next wheels. Sorry to get on a roll about wheels. A roll about wheels. Go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> I know it's y'all's favorite subject. Anyways. I think that was supposed to be Nexty, but Race Face does make a Race Face Next wheel. Hmm. Jury's out. Uh, loving having the podcast back. Keep up the good work. Thank you all, Jesse. And for what it's worth, a buddy of mine, Brandon from Wolftooth, did send me a picture and bird makes a fucking boat cleat style spoke flange and they do it on their hubs and onyx makes hubs with it too so the loop of the spoke goes on like a boat cleat it is real sketchy that is fancy what's next uh from superfan jake he says re project 321 hubs capius uses the same free hub design with magnetic poles I'm not sure if they're better or worse for actual riding, and I don't think that the hub's frequent monthly maintenance needs are because of the magnetic poles. The only benefit I can see is that the poles don't fly off into the ether when you take the free hub apart. Um, And then he speculates someone from Capius working with Project 321 but says he can't find any evidence, so I I won't say the whole sentence. (laughs) <laughs> yeah anytime someone in the bike industry tells me they worked on something but they didn't work for that company and they're not like an engineer at the company that released it i don't i always take that with three grains of salt we want to knock out another one call it a night yeah let's do well can we answer that one 
because I'm reading it already. Yeah, that's fine. This is from Tim. Tim says, Spot Rocker. Hi, Matt. Looking for your input on the rocker. I have a 2016 Trek Superfly single speed that's starting to get long in the tooth. Yeah. I absolutely love this bike for ripping around Minnesota and Wisconsin. The geo for our trails, despite being aged, is ideal. The frames developed a small crack near the seat post clamp relief. I'm monitoring it and continue to ride, and so far, no issues. Considering that an example of the tiredness of this bike, considering that an example of the tiredness of this bike, um, it's built up with Hadley hubs, WTB rims, XT crank, SLX brakes, Thompson bar, whiskey post, and stem. Depending on where I'm going, I swap between rigid fork and Ariba. All the new SS or single speed compatible frames have gone full trail mode with, you know, fairly slack whatnot. Um, let's see. I have a transition. Uh, long story short, I would a rocker feel too slack around here? Would you have been happy on it riding around Canva? It appears to be the least trail option out there with a kit that zooms in on my intentions. I want to go fast. Uh, no need to read this on the podcast. Well, too fucking bad. We already <laughs> did. Just looking for your input. Uh, your old crave would have been very similar to my Superfly. Thanks, Tim. Uh, Tim, the verdict's out on that bike so far. I'll be quite honest. I've like I talked. I haven't ridden it since the last show. Since I've only ridden on the trainer. But kind of like I was talking about in the last show, the chainstays are just kind of long, and the bike's kind of stiff. And I don't know. I mean, me and that bike got married, and we can. It, it's been too long to annul that, but I don't know that I'm not going to get a side chick in the future. I just, I'll tell you, I've been chasing the crave since I had the crave, and nothing has felt like the crave to me in terms of being quick and that same nimbleness and also a little bit of that, let's say, comfort. It can't be single speed. That's the problem. Like any bike that I think fits your needs, it can't be single speed without being ghetto. So um, I've got one that I'm looking at. The Niner? Yeah, the Niner Air 9 does it. It goes single speed. That's going to be closer in ride. Because I've ridden the Rocker and I've ridden the... I've not ridden a Trek Superfly, but I can imagine what it would be like. It's a soft bike. Yeah, that is closer to the Niner Air 9 RDO for sure. Um, I had the Air 9 RDO. I did not really other than it being light, I didn't love how it rode and I like the Rocker way better but I will say if you like your Superfly single speed the Niner is closer to that just in geometry and in stiffness of the carbon and all of that. It's going to be more similar to what you're used to and, you know, Matt and I just feel, I like stiff carbon single speed bikes. Matt doesn't like them as much as I do. We just feel differently about the rocker. So, you know, it, it really depends on if you're looking for a closest possible replacement or if you want something that is a modern version of a not quite cross country single speed. And my biggest fear with just how stiff it is, is how it would ride on for argument's sake, like Hospital Trails, Hatchery Creek, or Fish Hatchery. I can never remember the name of that one, but the, the Fishy Trail. That stuff where you're in the saddle wanting to make power and it's a little bit bumpy. I don't know that something like the Rocker is going to be quite as soft as you're hoping. But that's all I got. Kenny, any carbon single speed advice over there? Ooh, carbon single speeds. 
I've been so out of single speed loop. I just don't know anymore. I think it seems like single speeding is just not as popular as it used to be. Also, now that I live in the mountains, single speeding is like really not popular. Cause you, single speed dead. Because you would die. Um, I don't know. What is what is out these days? I can't Pretty think of a whole anything... lot of single speed stuff other than obviously custom frames. Yeah. Press fit 30 bottom brackets you can put an eccentric in those, but it voids the warranty sometimes. So you got to you got to like watch your watch yourself on those. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant by ghetto. Like if an I got epic a, if with I bought a, a PS30 conversion, which I never would. I would make sure that it's a sliding dropout bike. I just don't have or, you know, like a rocker situation, but I don't want yeah. anything to do with any type of bottom bracket tensioning. I'm so beyond over any of that garbage once in a blue moon they work but inevitably you're gonna have to adjust them at some point and then they work oh i know the bike that you need you need a tie timber jack yeah i mean if if you're not stuck on carbon and you want to do there are a ton of other options if you aren't just all on carbon like you if you go to titanium you can shop around until you find the bike that has the geometry that you want you know as much as i rail in custom frame building I think that's a great a great niche for getting a custom frame. If you want something single speed and they can put the proper dropouts on there and then you can get them to build it any way that you want, freaking awesome. Go for it. But I think I think what's important is there's bikes out there that are really close. You know, cuz a new a new epic doesn't match an old superfly, right? The mm-hmm. the bikes have changed. So I think you can find, and I don't know if Visago does anything cross-country enough, but I know that the 7 Solo would come in right. I know that a uh, the Linsky, whatever that thing is, is, is that bike would come in right. Um, and then the, the, the Timberjack, that bike is also very close in terms of just being a bit it's not new trail. It's not old XC. It's that gray area where it falls in between. I think that would be a good a good move. Yeah. Sorry, I was just looking up the geometry of a superfly, single speed superfly. Yeah, you're you're going to be in the same boat that I was. The rocker chainstay, depending on what gear you're running, could be up to an almost an inch longer, which is going to change the ride feel a good bit. Yeah, that Niner Air Nine has the same head tube angle as your Trek Superfly single speed. And I know, look, a lot depends on... Head tube angle is not the end-all, be-all of how a bike handles, but it kind of is like the... It's holding up its cross-country flag or its trail flag or its whatever shreddy hardtail flag by looking at what the head tube angle is. Like, if something has a 65-degree head tube angle the people that made it weren't really intending you to put a hundred mil fork on it and rip it around just on really flat non-technical trails. So yeah, if you're looking for carbon, that's going to be the closest thing you can get. But yeah, it uses that eccentric bottom bracket, which eh, I mean, they take, those take maintenance or they're just going to make noise. They make a lot of noise if you don't maintain them. So it's really up to you. I think Matt and Kenny are on the right track saying that if you're not, just totally sold on carbon. Look for something in metal. Can we shut it down? I'm I'm real tired now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can shut it down. All right. Well, 
Thanks, everyone, for listening. And go check out our website. You can pre-order a set of bottles. And you can check out our Patreon. We would appreciate if you join our Patreon, though you don't have to. You'll never have to pay to listen to our podcast. Thanks for listening. Good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of your pants. <laughs>